You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. I'm riding on my bike. I'm going round the block. No, I can't cross the road. I'm not allowed to do that. I'm so happy here, cuz I'm just riding on my bike. I'm going round the block. I'm checking out the dogs. Barking as I pass them. Barking back, I laugh and I ride on on my bike. Good morning. Welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio show for Monday the 21st of December 2020. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which we transmit people-powered radio. Thank you to Democracy Now! for the preview of current affairs. My name's Chris and uh, Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio, we're a program about riding, cycling, sustainable transport and a whole myriad of things about riding a bike and simply getting around your city without uh, petrol-powered transport. And uh, we've been uh, on air since 2008, and today is uh, my last show for 2020, putting programs together from uh, from home like a lot of other people in the last month or so. We've been loud back into the studio with uh, COVID restrictions being lifted in Victoria, but spare a thought, actually spare a lot of thought, and um, uh, if you have to listen and be friends and all the rest of those things and be kind to our, our friends up in New South Wales. This uh, vicious, nasty uh, virus has uh, raised its uh, contagion up there again. So I'm not uh, going to get, uh, you know, where, where this thing is uh, having hotspots and the rest of it. We have to deal with these horrible circumstances when they arise. But on to better news. Today's guest is going to be Dr. Craig Fry. And we're going to be talking about the 125th anniversary of the Melbourne to Warrnambool race, which has actually been going longer than the Tour de France. And it's one of the world's great classics. Today's um, news, I've got a whole bunch of stuff about uh, pop-up bike trials. It's been a year where I've interviewed a phenomenal amount of guests on this show about what's happening in Australia and overseas to do with the COVID situation. Now, going back to March, April, you know, we've um, had uh, Councillor Roland Leopard from City of Melbourne, the previous uh, councillor who's now retired from City of uh, Yarra, J- Councillor Jackie Ristecki, Dan Kemp from uh, Amy Gillett Foundation, Sam Hibbins, Megan Sharkey, Dr. Ben Beck, Philip Mollis. We've had a lot of guests, including you know Roland Postma on the previous show. I could keep going on and on and on, but uh, yeah, there's so many people we've had on the show this year. Yeah, Alice Pryor. Parents first, and it was when they put out a survey, I think in conjunction with the Amy Gillett Foundation, saying that 94% of Australian parents supported greater investment for infrastructure. Also, uh, shout out to David Blom and all the incredible work he's doing out there in uh, southeastern Melbourne with the Melbourne Metro Bicycle User Group. Also, I'm just having a look here. Oh, go into the newer posts. This is the reason why I do a mirror for our website 
uh, for our podcast because it's really easy to find stuff when you find the right button to go and press. Yeah, Luke Poland, who's known to many of you as well, he's worked for Sustrans and he's also um, been involved in a lot of webinars and uh, did that uh, recent thing for the Bicycle Network of Learnings for London, how, uh, how active transport can drive the lockdown economy. And I was also listening to a show, I think it was Pinesight or one of those programs to do with dealing with a changed city environment and to do with pandemics and part of that brought into the thing of overseas and here in Australia, wider footpaths, more space so people can simply do what they need to do without this, uh, I think, so sociopathic virus too. Um, you can get around and uh, do what you need to do. Uh, yeah, Philip Malice we had on twice. Uh, Zoe McMaster, who's been um, involved with Healthy Streets Approach in the UK, and that's with Sustrans. Uh, yeah, it's been a phenomenal amount of stuff we've had on the show this year. Now, to do with pop-up bike lanes, we have the initial thing that has occurred, which is the COVID-19, and we have the response in the public health and public space area or sector. Now, Derebin has its first pop-up bike lane, and that's in South Crescent. As we emerge from the COVID-19 restrictions, more people than ever are asking for safe places to ride. Council is trialling solutions to make it easier to and safer to move around Derebin, starting with the installation of their first pop-up lane in South Crescent. Uh, Northcote, and you're probably wondering why South Crescent. Well, it will connect on to much heralded state government stuff we've had over the last few months where they're going to put out 100 kilometres of pop-up bike lines. Well, they'll connect on to what's happening with Heidelberg Road. And i got um, just uh, to do with the Derebin one. If you go to yoursayderebin, that's all one word, .com.au forward slash pop-up bike lanes. So even if you can't find that, just go to yoursayderebin.com.au and look for that. I uh, got uh, some nice uh, bit of feedback, or I should say uh, communication from Vic Roads to do with installing 100 kilometres of new and improved bike lanes across key inner city suburbs known as pop-up bike lanes that will make it easier and safer for people to ride to and from the CBD. And also have a think about... Um, me riffing on here, uh, all the other connecting things, north, south, east, west, and all parts in between. And uh, they've sent in a fact sheet to do with these pop-up lanes about the Heidelberg Road link. And I'll pop that into the podcast. Uh, I'll host it so you can have a look at it. And there's a whole myriad of ways you can give feedback for that, which is vicroads.vic.gov.au forward slash pop-up bike lanes. You can make a comment or fill in their online uh, survey, or you can send them an email, which is pop-up bike lanes, that's all one word, at roads.vic.gov.au. And it's not just Derebin, it's also Moreland. Moreland's got a whole bunch of stuff happening as well. And do I have that in front of me? I hope I do. Yeah, I think I'll, what I'll do is I'll find there's a whole bunch of more stuff to do with Moreland and they're doing a phenomenal amount of treatments, but they're doing several treatments all over you know, like Brunswick, Coburg and around that area to do with um, you know, change treatments, shared space and I will, as I said, endeavour to get that into the podcast. Now, fascinating bit of news was Lloyds of London and you're probably thinking, well, this is a bit dry. Why are you talking about insurance? Well, Lloyds of London announces 2030 fossil fuel exit plans. Now, Lloyds of London is ending investment in thermal coal-fired 
power plants, thermal coal mines, oil sands and new Antarctic energy exploration activities as part of its sustainable sustainability targets. Not quite far enough, but it's getting there. But uh, we're looking at increasingly with fossil fuels and the like as stranded assets. And that's not because of some left-leaning ideological thing. It's actuaries worked out. And to paraphrase, there's no jobs or capitalism on a dead planet. So there's, uh, I think there was something uh, going back to May earlier this year with I think 30 or 31 businesses, I think this was a European thing, I'm just trying to remember this from my internal hard drive, uh, uh, moving away from investment in fossil fuels. So these are high-end things, but this is to do with thermal coal. I don't believe this, now what says oil sand, so yeah, we're actually talking about that as well. Their goal is to make the centuries-old insurance marketplace truly sustainable by integrating sustainability into all its business activities. And uh, no, I didn't get that from uh, a broadsheet or uh, um, mainstream media. I got that from the insurance business magazine, the Australian uh, website. I'll put that into the podcast. So planned initiatives include encouraging insurance undertakings to allocate 2% of annual premiums towards innovative and sustainable products by 2022, allocating 5% of Lloyd's Central Fund for zero for impact investments in the same year and publishing a roadmap to setting out how the corporation will become net zero in its operations by 2025. So that's relatively speedy uh, when you think about what they're going to be doing in a short period of time because on the horizon for next year, it's the 2021 uh, United Nations Climate Change Conference known as COP26. Uh, no doubt you'll hear many shows across the uh, pro- on programs on 3CI discussing that. And it's the 26th United Nations Climate Change Conference. It's scheduled to be held in Glasgow, Scotland from the 1st to the 12th of November 2021. And that's under the presidency of the United Kingdom. And I reckon Australia's going to come under pressure for that because, uh, you know, we have a government that makes uh, inconsequential statements. And transport in this country is, I think, the third leading case of, of emissions in our transport sector. Okay, after the break, I'm going to be talking to Craig Fry about the Melbourne Warnable um, race and a whole bunch of history to do with one of the world's longest running races. The media in this country, we as Indigenous people know, have censored our right of telling the truth and the truth is what this country is most fearful of, in particular Indigenous truths. Until history is told by the vanquished lens, which is our people telling our story our way, and have the right to be able to incorporate that into a system of learning, well, people are always going to be denied that truth by deceit and lies. When you look at the type of psychological warfare spiritual warfare that Aboriginal people are caught in. It's not just in the sense of military when they talk about weapons of mass destruction, but you're right, it's in terms of the media and the industry of media as a warfare against our people, and so is religion, I believe, in the Western sense. They're they're all weapons of mass destruction against our, our people. We need to keep Radical Voices on air. Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe 
or call the station on 9419 8377. Let's maintain the rage. Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne invites you to join our first meeting of 2021 online on Thursday the 14th of January at 6.30pm. Become actively involved in ongoing campaigns to prevent more Aboriginal deaths in custody. It's an opportunity to learn, ask questions, offer skills and have a discussion. Join our team in working with families of Aboriginal people who have died in custody in their fight for justice. Message Ishta Melbourne Facebook with your email and we'll send through an invitation to join the online discussion. Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR. And on uh, the phone today, I've got Craig Fry. And we're going to be talking about the uh, Melbourne to Warrnambool Classic, one of Australia's oldest and most revered road races and the second oldest road race in the world. Craig, thank you for making time today. We previously, I think uh, Val and Faith previously had you on the show back in August 2016. That's right. Yes, you've got a good memory there. I remember that well. Last uh, Monday and Tuesday, there was 15 riders set out, this this amazing event known as the Warnie. Do you want to give us a little bit of a rundown of, you know, like you've got a phenomenal family background in cycling and, and the race itself? Yeah, sure, Chris. So on Monday, 14th of December, was the 125th year anniversary of the one of the first times the Melbourne to Warrnambool race was held. Um, it was actually first held in October of that year and ran from Warrnambool to Melbourne. But then it, it captured so many people's imagination that the Warrnambool locals got together a prize purse and they held it again sort of 10 or so weeks later in, in December and that was the actual first time it ran in the opposite direction from Melbourne to Warrnambool. And I felt, I've grown up hearing stories about that race from my grandfather and uncles and, and relatives from the Western District, and I thought that it was really important that that anniversary uh, be remembered. So, yeah, we pulled together a group of riders, and uh, on Monday we um, we rode from Melbourne to Warrnambool, started at the at the start line, the original start line, and finished at the original finish line. So what the overall distance? Just over 330 kilometres. So, yeah, big day. <laughs> and it was glorious weather last week as well. Yeah, we were quite lucky. A little bit too glorious, though, Chris. We, so we had a good uh, tail crosswind probably for the first 100k or so to Geelong. And then as we as we sort of moved more towards the southwest it was it was pushing us a little bit but from about camping out onwards the heat kicked in and then it was a sort of a true cross slightly headwind so yeah the last sort of four hours or so were quite quite difficult but yeah we all we all made it which was uh yeah it was really pleasing and and also part of the ride too was to raise funds for oz cycling futures yeah so we got a like the group, the, the, my idea behind the ride was that it was 
you know, just to be a re- to be a low key thing, small numbers, manageable, you know, not not too complex. But in the end, we got we pulled together a like a, a you know a really really good list of riders, including you know well known pro riders like Phil Anderson and Simon Gerrans and Rob Crow and Tim Decker and a really solid group. So we thought, you know, because of those names, that would attract a bit of, you know, media interest. So we might as well always also take the opportunity to raise funds for junior cycling uh, in the southwest of Victoria. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've got a GoFundMe page and it's called Oz Cycling Futures. And we're still, the, the funds are still trickling in. So we hope to be able to use that money raised, probably going to be for two or three junior cycling scholarship to support, you know, to support participation uh, in the sport down in that region. Yeah, and uh, just as point of disclosure before we go into the next topic of conversation is um, I'm involved with a committee on this this club that you wore the jersey for. So we're going to talk a little bit about you wore a jersey from the Noble Park Dandenong Cycling Club and from the committee we're very pleased that you did that. And yeah. also uh, the... Uh, we've just been having a chat amongst ourselves. There is a donation coming to Oz Cycling Futures from the club, so because you know to say thank you also and all for the great work that you do, Craig. Oh, terrific! That's that's really good, Chris. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're just yeah, look like... yeah we've just been negotiating it over the week again. Oh, yeah, we can do this. Yep. Yeah, I was really pleased to wear that jersey. I I sort of had a little bit to do with the campaign that formed just prior to that club being started again. Saving uh, one of the sort of important velodromes out in the Noble Park Dandenong area, and um, so you know, being a cycling historian, that kind of captured my attention, and I thought it was an important initiative. And then to see the the club form and the jersey um, created, it's a beautiful jersey, you know, green and green and black and and white, and you know, in the old style jerseys, which are, are you know, you know, really nice. So I thought, yeah. What better occasion than a ride like this to wear that jersey? And yeah, a lot of the a lot of the riders in the group commenting on it. So it's quite. Yeah. Um, it was one of the things within the club was to get that crest or the badge. I mean, we don't see enough to, enough of those with the bands, and it was a big thing. We got that redone because there was the Noble Park Danlong uh, red. I think no, it was black and gold badge, and got yeah. it re-rendered and redone, and uh, because it was just an embroidered badge. And uh, we actually made that into the the club logo. So really pleased with that because that kind of stemmed out of like locals there. The, we were talking about the Maurice Kirby Velodrome, which was we did a, just quite a few things on the show about. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, thank you to you know um, everyone who's been involved. Uh, Kim, Adrian, Ryan, David, uh, Callum, Steve, heaps of people who have been involved getting that club going. But yeah, back on back onto the Warney though. Just just in the time we've got, you have a phenomenal family history when it comes to this. Yeah, look, I um, as I said earlier, I you know, I guess my exposure to the sport started with my grandfather, who's from the the town of Camperdown in the southwest of Victoria, and he first rode that race as a seventeen year old in nineteen thirty one, and you know, back in those days when the roads weren't. Um, bitumen and the bikes are a lot heavier. He, you know, he, he was able to cover that journey in just over seven and a half hours, which was, I mean, he didn't win the race, but still, still going very quickly. 
And then four years later, he rode in the 35 edition and came ninth. So I think from there what happened was that, you know, typically the large families of the day, he had a lot of nephews, and I think they followed him into cycling after they saw him do that. And sort of down over four generations, I finally got around to riding uh, to riding in the race in 2016, mm. and and in doing that, I became the 19th member of my family to to race that race. And you know, we've got a total of you know over a hundred starts uh, between us. So I was really, you know, again as a lover of cycling history and a believer in the importance of that as a cultural cultural you know the cultural heart of the sport. I was really pleased to be able to do that. And I've ridden in two, and, you know, I've got two coveted time medallions hanging on a photo of my grandfather at home. And, yeah, I guess that was a key part of this anniversary ride for me was just taking a moment to, you know, get some some of, you know, Australia's leading cyclists together uh, and to honour that, you know, really rich history of the sport because it's so important, I think, to tell those stories and to mark those occasions. Because there's quite a few good articles out. There's one from the Standard and Warnable, the Guardian, uh, Oz Cycling. I put a really good article up. So of SBS, I'll link those in the podcast. And also, the GoFundMe page is uh, have I got that in front of me? No, I'll put that into the podcast. But it's GoFundMe and look for Oz Cycling Futures uh, to make sure you get your target and you can fund those scholarships. Thanks a lot, Chris. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah your listeners yeah. can can jump in. There's some great articles, as you've mentioned, good media attention about the ride and the background and the backstory to it. So yeah, that's um, they can follow those through and read a bit more about the history of the race. Yeah, so we're riding to raise funds for junior cycling in the southwest of Victoria, and you want to make a contribution to get more kids interested and involved in cycling from riding to school. Weekend adventures with friends, everyday recreation, bike club uh, racing at the club, and even state, national, and world level. Well, that's basically everything, and I think uh, that is a phenomenally good thing to do because, you know, the main thing of this show is cycling for transport. But again, like a lot of other people, I'm a you know couch penaton person, and um, this yeah. year's been very interesting. Having everything crammed at the end of the year, so you're kind of trying to work out your either online or TV viewing experience. And I think stuff yeah, like the, the Warnie should be either live streamed or get some type of broadcast happening for it. I think a couple of times there's been attempts at it with Ustream and the like. But something like that, seeing, uh, you know, I'm just trying to cross with also stuff like with bikepacking and uh, map uh, dot watching and stuff like that. There, There's a lot of potential there for um, audience participation and getting getting people involved with these these events that have got an amazing history. Yeah, I agree, Chris. I think there's great potential around an event like that and with the technology we have available these days. And that was, I guess, the subtext to this ride for me personally was I really wanted to, and this sort of goes to the sort of broader point probably about cycling and its position on the road, you know, whether it's just commuting or riding to the shops or kids riding to school. I wanted I wanted this ride to somehow demonstrate that, you know, we cyclists have got a place on the road and that we, you know, it's a valid position and we shouldn't shouldn't give that up, particularly when you're thinking about the sport of cycling. Mm. You know, I think many of your listeners are probably aware that, you know, with the with the rise of the car and, and you know, in some areas questionable cycling infrastructure, 
you know, cycling on the road is kind of feels like it's diminished in some areas. And I, you know, look, I worry. Although I think e-cycling and things like Zwift are a great thing in terms of participation and getting a new, new sort of group into the sport, I just worry a little bit that you know, on the horizon, I hope what's not coming is road cycling as a discipline and a thing disappears because of cars and or because of you know safety concerns. So yeah, it's also. Yeah, it's also insurance costs. That's the sort of thing, you know, from a club perspective we've been looking at as well. And people who ride for transport, you know, also have to look at, you know, if they're regularly doing it, you know, they have to look into their personal insurance sort of stuff. And there's all these kind of um, risks and vulnerabilities that are sheeted back to the end user for a, a form of transport what ultimately, and sport I should say, ultimately is nowhere as um, impacts as uh, cars and vehicles. We take a lot of the load for other things. Exactly. Mm. I'm sure you've spoken before on your program about, you know, the the massive benefits of, of, you know, cycling in a city in terms of transport flow and in terms of, you know, um, public health benefits. Oh, um, yes. You know, reduced <laughs> costs to the system, all that sort of mm. thing. You know, probably preaching to the converted, <laughs> but these, yeah, yeah but also road cycling that we all do have shared concerns. But in closing, in the few minutes I've got left, so we can go to I'm oh, just looking at gofundme.com forward slash cycling futures to donate to Oz Cycling Futures, and um, also got the Melbourne to Warnable hopefully coming up in 2021. Um, yeah, definitely, actual, definitely yeah. coming up 13th of February, uh, is the 105th edition. And, uh, yeah, there's a kind of a festival of cycling. They've got a crit race. They've also got a Port Campbell to Warrnambool handicap that runs on the same morning as the, the actual race. Yep. And, yeah, there's a terrific program of events um, that they've got, you know, the organisers have got going down there again. So, yeah. yeah. So I'll look that up and I'll pop those into the podcast as well. Well, thank you for your time today and your patience, Craig. It's been great I'm just finally talking to you. Yeah, sure, Chris. No problem. I was glad to glad to speak with you and your listeners. Yeah, and all the best for the festive season and the new year. And to you. Thank to you. you. To enable change, we need to show broad community support. Show your support for walking and cycling in the city of Yarra by appearing as a champion on the Streets Alive website, representing your local street, neighbourhood or school. It's fast, free and simple. Learn more at streets-alive-yarra.org. A 3CR supporter. And thank you too, Craig, for making time today. Now, you might have heard of going back a little while, I was blithering a little bit about uh, Moreland Council having uh, bike lanes and shared zones in Moreland and I found the thing for it which is uh, conversationsmoreland.gov.au we are trialling new ways to make it easier for our Moreland community to get around in local neighbourhoods and they've got all these different treatments they're doing at the moment which is Dawson Street bike lane trial, Orbion Street bike lane improvement, Kent Road bike lane trial, Northumberland Road bike lane, Albert Street shared zone, Victoria Street Z shared zone and the KW Joyce Reserve shared path. Now, what's the thing on that? They, they want feedback on that. I'll also pop that into the podcast, but uh, go to the Moreland uh, Council website and look for their conversations feedback page. Now, 
That's all I've got for today. I'm going to be taking a break and return by early February 2021. There's many things I'd like to say about this year that uh, are articulated a lot better by other people. I know what I'd like to say is... Be a good listener, be a good friend, be a good ally, and be kind. Up next is Shebop, followed by Black Block. Hello, Dan. It's Joe here. I hope you're keeping well. It's the 21st of December Now they're ringing the last bell If I get good behavior I'll be out of here by July You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.